I've got your amazing stat from the game Monday night against the Browns. Najee Harris rushed for 188 yards. 181 of those yards, all but seven, came after initial contact with a defender. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Ben was going to steal the show regardless. If Najee had run for 300 yards, it was going to be about Ben. If TJ had recorded 14 sacks instead of just the four that he had, it was still going to be about Ben. But now that we've had a chance to come down a little bit from the emotions of that experience as it relates to the quarterback, it's time to start digging in, I think, as to what really happened with that running game. The easy answer is that Najee just ran really, really hard. And you know what? It would be an accurate answer. He did. He was breathtaking at times. He was getting five yards on first down just by existing. You know, he just kind of leaned forward and there it was. He was breaking tackles and pulling away from guys. Had his two longest gains of the season at 30 and, of course, the 37-yard touchdown to seal it at the end. Every last one of those was deserved. Everything he got, given what he's had to do to pick up yardage as a rookie and now being number three in the entire league in rushing. Just him individually, not the team. But there had to be something else, and that's... That's what I'm interested in right now. Having had the opportunity to watch the game a second time, slower, with a remote control in hand, not live in a press box when everything's just flashing right in front of you, I loved what I saw of J.C. Hasnauer at center. Now, if you're a longtime listener to this program... That's going to come across as biased because I've been pushing for J.C. at that position for, oh, several months now. Not that I thought he was a great prospect at the position. He's been in the league, bounced around the league for a couple of years. When he was at Alabama, he's a four-year letterman, but he didn't always start. So he didn't come with great pedigree. And he doesn't have, to be honest with you, a great frame. You don't look at him walking around and think to yourself, oh, offensive lineman. But he knows what he's doing. He knows the position. And the quarterback himself has found ways repeatedly, and I'm going to give you that time frame again, for months to include J.C.'s name in every single conversation that comes up regarding the center position. So what we saw Monday night 
wouldn't have been a surprise to the quarterback, shouldn't have been a surprise to the coaching staff, and whether it was or wasn't a surprise to us, what really matters is that he performed way better, and I mean way better, than Kendrick Green, Mike Tomlin's clearly anointed starter entering this season. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. I'm old enough to remember last summer, just so you know. And when I was making a repeated point about this offensive line across the board coming with that anointed feel where Tomlin was taking them out of preseason games after a quarter where he was giving Green the number 53 jersey. And this was his group. He just made up his mind. And from there, he was going to expect them to be coached up by Adrian Clem, and then he was going to hope that he's right. Well, across the board, that's a lousy formula. I called it out at the time. I was accused by a lot of listeners in the various places that we have comments for this programming of picking on the young guys, not giving them a chance It had nothing to do with the individual players, at least not at the time. It had everything to do with the process. So now here we are. This is week 18. But in the week 17 game, Monday night, we finally saw Hassenauer out there taking Green's place. Green has a calf injury. He hadn't been able to practice So, as Tomlin acknowledged both after the game and again yesterday in his press conference, the decision was made easy, but it was still the right decision. The bar is really, really low, so saying that Hassenauer was better than Green isn't exactly complimenting him. But Hassenauer was a lot better than that. Hassenauer looked like an NFL center, and the Steelers looked like For the first time all season, they were operating with an NFL center. This was Tomlin's assessment of Hassenauer yesterday after having had a chance to watch the film himself. I liked a lot of what I saw last night, not only in his play, but in his communication. Um, He did a nice job of communicating with the group and and identifying people both in the run and in the pass. We'll make those decisions as we determine availability this week. Like I mentioned last week, Um, KG is just too young a guy to get on a moving train at the latter part of the week. So the decision was easy for us. It'll probably be more difficult for us this week. He'll probably have a level of readiness that happens earlier in the week this week, but we'll make the decisions that are best for us in terms of putting ourselves in position to, to, to have a good offensive output and thus win the game. And this, by the way, was Tomlin's assessment of Chris Morgan, the now, well, I guess you'd call him interim offensive line coach with Tomlin having chased away Clem last week. You know, I thought he had a a tremendous impact 
Um, I don't want to overstate it, obviously. Um, he ran the offensive line room and made critical decisions regarding the division of labor and the, and the formation, formulation of the plan. He'll do similar things this week. Um, we had a great run day, um, but that's just today. I'm looking forward to watching his contributions and our plan develop this week and, and adding to that body of work. Again, this isn't to take credit away from Najee, but Najee himself was standing at the podium after the game telling us all that these were inside zone runs, these big runs, that a lot of his better gains came right up the middle. Guess what, kids? Those weren't there before. It's also not to suggest that this is going to magically continue. Baltimore has a pretty tough defensive front, always. They're not going to let the Steelers run because John Harbaugh would never have a defensive scheme as stupid as the one Kevin Stefanski's staff had set up the other night. And on top of that, Dan Moore, who had a really good game against Miles Garrett, presuming Garrett was even interested, and Trey Turner are both looking to be questionable with injuries for the finale. But there is no earthly way the Pittsburgh Steelers can take that field at MNT Bank Stadium with Hasnauer on the sideline and Green starting. I don't care what the injury statuses are. You owe it to yourself and, oh, by the way, your team in whatever infinitesimal chance it still has to make the playoffs to put the best performer out there. And it isn't close. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question, and today's comes from Mike Gregg, who asks, How much do the Steelers miss Juju? I haven't been impressed with the receivers much at all this season, except for Deontay. They looked awful against the Browns, and given their cap space, do they make an effort to sign Juju? It's funny that you ask this, Mike. I brought this up in the press box with Dale Lawley, our Steelers beat writer, as the Steelers had gotten down to the goal line for that really ill-fated set of downs that Matt Canada thought it would be a good idea to try to get cute instead of handing the ball to the sizzling hot running back three or four times in a row. Because down there is where Juju had gotten to be close to automatic, and you know what I'm talking about, those little inside slants or the handoffs on the reverse where he comes back in through the middle of the line. He'd make really good reads. The plays were well-designed, and the Steelers have not had anyone to execute such plays in his absence. It feels like Juju's been forgotten. It really does. Later in the game, when the Steelers were Boy, I was going to say they were struggling to throw over the middle. They just weren't throwing over the middle at all. And not that they were doing great with that with Juju, but he was their best and most attractive option in that part of the field. And, yeah, it's hurt because he's reliable. 
Uh, they've had running plays. You've seen it this year where a wide receiver would either miss the block or not care that he missed the block. And those are plays that 19 would have been knocking someone on their rear end. This guy's a good football player. We talk about Juju Smith-Schuster for a bunch of reasons, and not very often about his football ability. If you're expecting him to be a number one receiver, you're going to be disappointed. If you pay him like a number one receiver, you're going to be doubly disappointed. But if you find a way to answer your question or to attempt to answer it, to come up with a reasonable contract that keeps him in the fold, he's a stealer. You can say whatever you want about his social media and, and other stuff. On the football field, at least when he isn't dancing on logos, he's a stealer. Not just because he knocked Vontez out, but because he plays like one. He plays wide receiver in a similar spirit to what Heinz Ward showed. I'm not saying he was that, but he was more that than he was what these guys are. What you saw on Monday night from the receivers, well, and Matt Canada, I thought was just reprehensible. Chase Claypool, nine targets and three catches? Come on. Deontay, for that matter, 15 targets and eight catches. Ray Ray, 10 targets, and I don't care how many catches. James Washington was only targeted once, and you remember that. It was that deep ball down the left sideline. He doesn't even fight for it. Guy gets no separation. When he goes out for a pass, he acts like he's supposed to be the one covering the defensive back. This receiver group has not been impressive. But to get into who you're going to try to sign and bring back, let's remember that this quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, loves Juju, would do anything to have him back, except that Ben himself won't be back. So what happens if you go out and try to recruit some big free agent, you know, Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers says, well, Devontae Adams is also a free agent, and you say, okay, well, we've got this $50 million in cap space, so here comes Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and everyone else can just take a hike. Those are the kinds of discussions that you can't have in a vacuum. You need to know everything that's going on, and that's going to start, obviously, at the quarterback position. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Let's do another one tomorrow. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.